Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 226. We've still got some episodes to come for the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week, which runs until the end of August. We have Baker and Borowski coming up next week. And two weeks after that, it is uh, Junior Tomlin, which was one of my favourites to record, I've got to tell you. And as mentioned, they're part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail series of podcasts which promote and highlight the Kensington and Chelsea Art Trail which has artwork scattered all across the borough of Kensington and Chelsea. It's a big borough but don't worry they've got their own art bus. But anyway back to this week's episode. So today I'll be introducing you to Angry Dan. Angry Dan is a limerist Limerist? Is it, is, it, is it limerist? Have I just made that word up? Is someone who writes limericks? If, well, if it's not a limerist, it is now. Angry Dan is a limerist and a muralist. His studio is just a couple of miles down the road from me in Walthamstow in East London. So he was able to record this in person. Oh, and I should mention, Angry Dan has a new show opening in Walthamstow from the 1st till the 28th of August. He'll also be relaunching his trail of limericks in the local area, the first time since 2020. But the main focus for the show will be a limerick writing competition, open to all ages, where the winner will be collaborating with Angry Dan on a unique print of their winning limerick design, in Dan's signature style. Lots of the runner-up entries will also be displayed in the gallery for the first two weeks of September. And as he said... It's open for all ages. So if you want to join in or your children want to join in and you're in the local area, then go over to Instagram and have a look at Angry Dan's profile for more information. But to hear a whole lot about the man himself, come with me and join me in the studio of Angry Dan. 
sometimes an artist comes across something yeah. that just works and it can go on forever. Mm. And yeah, I think that's what we're all trying to look for, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and I, I, I think um, you have to take care. The money has to be sorted out. And if that's the way to do it, which for a lot of people it is, then I, then I think that's that's fine. But Damien has to have enough money, in my opinion. Yeah. He's got, he's got enough, but that's just, you know. I mean, there's something about, I think there's something about the cherry blossom stuff that he does, for example. That, you could put that in the same category, but for some reason, I feel like he, he, he finds like a lot, quite a lot, quite finds a lot, bit of peace painting those paintings. Do you know what I mean? It's a nice process. All the colours just dobbing around in the studio. So for me, that's more not forgivable. But like I understand why he does it. Getting on to you, right? For someone that wouldn't know your work, how would you describe what you do? Um, I mean, I write uh, limericks, which are those annoying little five line. Uh, bouncy little poems. Oh, I, I think they're far from annoying. <laughs> Absolutely love a limerick. I mean, some of the best ones are annoying, but as you hear enough of them, uh, yeah, they definitely are annoying. But so I write those about literally uh, anything that I, that I want to write about. So it could be uh, something that's happening in my personal life. It could be an interesting piece of news. It could be a scientific uh, phenomenon. It could be someone from history. It could be uh, literally anything I've seen while scrolling on the internet. Um, that 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 makes me want to have a, a perspective or an opinion on something, or make a joke out of something, um, and then I'll draw it with a with a symbolic object. And um, the way that I do it is with cartoony sort of text on the object, uh, and that kind of gives it its visual identity. But basically, I write limericks uh, nonstop. And was you always an artist? Um, so I made music when I was younger. Yeah. I made a lot of electronic music and then I started to write uh, songs just for myself, like with piano or guitar. Um, and then gradually the words became more uh, significant to what I was doing there. And I realised, you know, I would process feelings with writing songs and things like that. Yeah. And in the end, by about the age of 30, I was like, oh, wow, I think the, the words is the most important thing now. Do you know what I mean? And how long ago was that, if you don't mind me asking? So the actual event was, um, was a friend's wedding. A friend asked me to uh, do a reading for his wedding and I was thinking, oh, should I read some uh, funny lyrics to an ironic song yeah, or yeah, Gary yeah. Barlow or something, do you know, something, just, <laughs> something that people would laugh yeah, at. Yeah. Uh, and then I had the idea of, uh, oh, I thought I'd just write something myself, do you know what I mean? And I enjoyed the process so much and the the response was so good as well. And he yeah. was so happy, right? And everybody who, who was there was, was so, they were, you know, they were very positive about it. Um, so after that, I was like, well, this is it now, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, uh, that felt as good as or better than anything I'd done with music at that particular point. Yeah, good. So did you have creativity in the home growing up? Uh, yeah, so uh, music for sure. Um, my brother really was the artist in our in our family growing up. Uh, and you know, kids sometimes get, uh, what's the word, pigeonholed or they yeah, just have to yeah. see themselves as different yeah, to yeah. the other siblings sort of thing. So, you know, I was always, always really... Uh, bit more academic I suppose although I did play music in my teens but my brother was great at drawing and then really really good at painting uh, in sort of sixth form sort of time so he would as a result of that when he was doing his A-levels when I was about uh, 15 or 14 or 16 or whatever uh, he was do he was uh, bringing home lots of lots of different kinds of kind of imagery of Dali, Warhol that sort of stuff um, and that was really the first time that I'd looked at something 
like art and thought, oh wow, you know, I really like yeah. it. I didn't think about doing it really, but I just thought I really liked it. But I've always had, uh, I've always had that artistic sort of temperament where I've created, like I made music every day from the age of 16 till, wow. you know, till I was maybe 30. Like it was, it was my absolute obsession. Yeah. And I, some people would argue. What was you earning from it? I did, I did make some money in the end. Yeah. I made music for adverts. Uh, my first big advert was a was a, a Weetabix advert. Oh, nice! Uh, I've just given the keyboard away to like a little two year old girl who's my uh, girlfriend's friend's kid, but it was made on like a twenty five pound Casio keyboard. Um, but I made a yeah I made a ton of music for adverts. Um, but what I was going to say was that um, well whereas what I do now is this this kind of very specific sort of process where I know what I'm going to write about and I'm just seeing it through to this this end result. Um, you could argue that what I was doing with the music, as in going every day onto the computer to make something new and experimental, was probably more true to what it means to be an actual artist yeah. than than what I do now. You could you could argue that. And do you find the process of creating music is the same as creating an artwork or a poem? I would say that the the impetus to do it is the same. Yeah, for sure. Um, like that's you get up in the morning and it's got to be the first thing you're first thing you want to do um, but the actual process of um, of doing what I do though it's, it's kind of it's kind of quite rigid really do you know I mean I write this this thing and it's got to be in this flowing but very sort of uh, you know very well defined structure the words have to be for sure and then I know how it visually has to look really colourful central object like a kid's done it sort of thing um, so actually it's it's that is is uh, is very very different. If I was making music, then it would always just be uh, never a time limit on what I was doing. Yeah. Always just whatever I wanted it to sound like. You said you um, try and make it like a kid's done it. So there's a, obviously an innocence to the way it looks. When, when people do that, I see it that they're making it for the every man, mm. and so everyone can associate with it. Um, so I I never really drew from a very very young age. I'm yeah. supposedly colour blind. Uh, so I didn't have any confidence in making visual uh, visual art at all, hence being obsessed with music for that long. Um, so when I started to draw, when I'd written a load of limericks and I needed to represent them visually, I started to draw, um, having not drawn from the age of sort of seven, where you just draw clouds like yeah, with yeah, a line yeah. and you just draw a, you know, a sun and you just draw a light bulb or whatever um, in that really cartoony sort of way. So at that point, it wasn't uh, it wasn't for any other reason than that was as good as I could do it. That was yeah. literally the best I could do. Um, whereas now, uh, having, you know, drawn lots and lots and lots, I find uh, I have to rein it in a little bit and try force myself to be a bit simpler, which is, again, you know, fun. But it works. Well, that's it. It works. Yeah. It works on a print, on a painting. It works on a mural. It, no doubt, works on the T-shirts that you were talking about before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, bulk. I mean, block color. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so easy to do as well. It's not. Um, you're not like worried about the fade and whether it's whether it's uh, gradual enough or something. So, do you still make music? Uh, yeah, so I probably I can see instruments about. So <laughs> but I mean, on a on a regular basis, uh, I probably play music uh, most days. I'll play. I'll play some music. Uh, last time I made some music on the computer was probably two weeks ago. Half the stuff I did was made for the actual adverts themselves, Good. so that was just a rush, right? You yeah. just they'd, they'd give you uh, often a super tight time schedule. They'd say, you know, we need the track 
tomorrow morning at 7am sort of thing so you'd just be Red Bull Red Bull all night and then yeah. send it to them yeah. and then you know then they'd say yes and you'd be just be like great that's a ton of money for yeah, of for course. The, you know, for like six just going months. through some old tracks that you've created. well, no, make something new, right? Uh, the the few times that happened, make, making something new, but that just feels great because you feel like you've just earned three months' money or whatever yeah. in uh, in the space of one night, and it just happens to have worked worked out great. Um, but then the other stuff, like I'd made tons and tons of songs to try to make an album, which never, never, I never even really put anything of those those songs out. Eventually, when some of those tracks got used on adverts, because I just have a basically a library of stuff and I'd sometimes send these to people who needed songs for some online advert or something that just felt like oh at least finally I've got something back from it because I yeah. spent so, so many years making this stuff do you know what I mean I never got offered an advert that I felt like I had any moral problem with taking never got offered McDonald's never got offered Coca-Cola yeah <laughs> and would you have taken it uh, I mean if the money's money was was going to be great well then, what are you going to do? Of course, what are you going to do? I'll make you complete. Well, when when people have said to me about stuff like this, I've said to them, and I know it's quite an extreme. I've done so much worse for so much less. <laughs> you know, like back in my old life, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, stuff right. I would have done for a few quid. So anything honest, yeah. Now, no matter what it's, oh, I was going to say, no matter what it's morality, but. There are limits. I, th- I mean, I think with the thing that I'm doing now with the limericks, because it's like child-facing and stuff, if Coca-Cola wanted me to write a limerick about Coca-Cola and do it in exactly my thing, I'd have to have a really, really good think about that. Yeah. And I think only if I had some responsibility that I ha- had a bigger responsibility than I do to my art to take care of, then I would have to say yes, obviously. But if it's just music that I've made and it's a project that I'm not really yeah. not really fussed about and it's people can't really link it to this thing or it doesn't devalue this thing that I'm doing now then there'd be no question I'd do it. One really, really good cultural example of this, supposedly um, Super Free Animals were offered uh, a million pounds or a million dollars for Hello Sunshine, which is that amazing opening track to, uh, I can't remember the name of the record now, but a beautiful, like really slow, it makes you, it makes your hair stand on it the way yeah. it sounds. Coca-Cola offered uh, a million pounds or a million uh, dollars for it. Uh, and they thought, oh, we can give the money to charity, like we can figure out a way to do this. Do you know what I mean? But in the end, they just thought, no, it's that song is making the stars. it's magic it's not you know we feel a certain way when we hear that song and if someone listens to that song and sees a coca-cola logo and feels that way about coca-cola because we've sold it for a million quid then the whole thing yeah. is is fucked so and then people who know that story that's only going to make that song even more yeah. valuable yeah exactly because it didn't take that that financial it would be tainted without a doubt um yeah i come past one of yours on the way here mm. down would it have been down Chingford Road? Um, and it just said Browns Road. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Was it Browns Road? That was my first uh, first single mural commission for the council. Oh, there you just go. A, just a street sign. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, as I was coming down, obviously thinking about this this conversation, and just at the corner of my eye, I was going, it's fucking angry, don't <laughs> Yeah, just I'm thinking, so that was, that was pretty good. How did that come about? Did you um, go to them? So I did... Uh, in 2019, Waltham Forest was the London Borough of Culture. So the council had a load of extra money and a load of extra impetus to invest in uh, art stuff. And I applied through the like the little ward funding pots yeah, yeah. Uh, to do a load of a load of small murals of my limerick stuff around in the area uh, here. Um, that street sign came a couple of years later, I think. When in 2019, Waltham Forest was London Borough of Culture. And there was a big impetus within the council to uh, invest in 
local art and local artists and put some big kind of visual visually uh, uh, you know recognizable sort of projects in the local area so I applied for a load of funding just for materials to paint um, a bunch of murals around here and I got the funding for nine um, so for about six months I ran around and knocked on doors and found like little flat walls and yeah, nice. over the course of you know over the course of that, uh, that, that those few months I painted my my little kind of trail of trail of limericks around here when I'd finished that year's worth of mural painting um, one of the local uh, window galleries around here which again is probably a park council funded thing uh, where people can just apply to put the stuff in the window um, they gave me a slot in August in 2020 uh, which obviously ended up being uh, Covid lockdown nonsense yeah, yeah, yeah. so they gave me a slot in the window there so what I did was combine the murals in the local area with this gallery show painted I think 12 or 15 paintings to go in the window but also on the gallery wall painted oh, yeah. a, a map of the local area yeah. um, with all of the murals on this map um, and uh, everybody who went round and found all these murals and took a photo and posted it on Instagram, um, they won a, a free print of their choice. Oh, good. Superb. So it was like this big kind of, uh, yeah, a lot of work, big idea, you know, like 18 months, I suppose, yeah. in it, uh, putting it all together, but it, but it, but it, it came together. And then, uh, yeah, from then I kind of have always been supported by, um, by the local area in a big way, you yeah. know, um, whether it's the, the council or, um, local businesses who are doing development stuff around here. Well, I or... think that local councils are finally appreciating the value of little bits of culture. Mm. Whereas murals uh, are perfect for that. Absolutely exactly. perfect for it. Because at the moment, they're especially at the moment, they're so underfunded um, that they're taking the funding away from the arts more or less before anything else. Yeah. Because it's seen as a little visual luxury. Yeah, it's ideal. Was that your f first mural, or had you been doing murals before that? So I painted in um, in Shoreditch with uh, Global Street Art, that organisation yeah, yeah. um, uh, down there. So I'd weirdly with a bunch of postcards of my limericks when I was just drawing them small scale. I bumped into the the boss Lee Bofkin, uh, who you probably would have met before, probably oh, no. not. So he's 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 the head of that company, who's now what thirty or so uh, employees, all putting up massive murals and creating nice. loads of content and stuff, but. I gave my postcard randomly at some kind of drawing meet on Brick Lane, and he just said, "Do you want to come and paint this on a hoarding sort of thing?" So uh, that was my first mural down there, uh, and then I painted sort of maybe five or six in the local area, all in Shoreditch over the next uh, over the winter, so over the next five or six months, and then the next year was twenty nineteen, and that was the Walthamstow project. Yeah. So how did you feel taking it from the page, if you like, from or from the canvas? Yeah. Putting it onto a onto a wall. Um, I, I must admit I had well no idea what I was doing really. I'd never used spray paint. Do you know I didn't know anything about like paint pens or anything like that. So I turned up at the at the Global Street Art offices, you know, with my rucksack. Like, how do I do this? And they gave me some guy, some guy, uh, very nice uh, GSA employee, Matt, lovely Matt from uh, from Global Street Art with a uh, with a camera. And although Matt doesn't uh, doesn't really paint obviously he watches that stuff go up all the time and I was all day I was like how do I do this bit so what, what was he just documenting he was filming yeah 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 so that the process of that day I spent most of the day hungover really really anxious and worried that I was going to mess it up and that people were going to see this thing that looked like a piece of my work with it, but that was awful round yeah. the round the you know round the corner from Jealous Gallery you had the same image as a print sort of thing 
So for the whole day, I'd felt uh, like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt bad. And then about four o'clock, I popped over the, the road to get a can of Foster's just to kind of... <laughs> yeah. To, to Just to kind of yeah. ease the nerves. And I saw the piece from over the road. When you take a step back from a wall, it changes everything, obviously. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, oh, no, it, it looks all I'm right. Sure, yeah, like, it's yeah. going to work out sort of thing. So that was the first the first experience of doing it. And it was really, really nerve-wracking. And which one was that? Uh, I painted the... There's a there's an eye about yeah. Im- imagining that you're swimming. Yeah. Uh, imagining that the, the pool is a sky. Um, and that's... Uh, yeah, that's the one I painted for the first time. And I know you've done many since then, but when that was complete, did you go, oh, this is where it's going to go? Straight away. Brilliant. Immediate, on, the, on the way home, I think I posted the image, images, image on Instagram on the way home. Uh, uh, and that always, because the photo yeah. of a mural always looks better than when you've just come away from it as well, because all you can see is mistakes when you've finished a mural. Yeah, of course. Um, because you're so close to it, obviously. So yeah, that post then sort of locked itself in my, in my head. I got the, had a shower, so you stink when you've been painting on the street, and got out of the shower and just kind of like read a few of the comments and stuff and looked at the photo again and I was like, oh, you know, I just had yeah. that feeling like, oh, this is... And then I just straight away uh, told Lee that I wanted to paint as much as possible. And I was like, give me another hoarding, give me another hoarding. Um, contacted Jealous and did the rooftop there uh, and then started to paint a bit more uh, in other places, but not really. It was all pretty much, pretty much as much as I could do straight away in yes. short. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. So you've had a relationship with Jealous... For, for some time. Yeah, so I mean, I've sold, I've had some bits in the, in a couple of their shows, but uh, mainly it was just that, the, the rooftop uh, thing, and I have one print with them. Uh, I mean, how good is Dario? Yeah, amazing, amazing. He's I mean, he's great. he's one of those, you'll see, he's comparable, I guess, in some sort of ways to, to Lee Bofkin. He's one of those people who has such an enthusiasm for what they're doing. Um, and when, and he's full of ideas, and he sees so much, uh, happen all around him from so many different artists and so many different whatever opportunities things going on when he has a conversation that's about your work to you and it's only happened to me once in a you know for 20 minutes yeah, 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 yeah. 20 minutes at the back of the uh, at the back of the gallery there he happened to be like oh yeah oh I saw this let me tell you this and he was just like going through ideas with me and I was left so energised yeah yeah yeah. great great people to be associated yeah, with yeah. you've got work in there at the moment no, no like I said just the print literally just the, just the one single print with those guys which just sells you know a few pieces maybe one or two a month or something yeah yeah do you see yourself as a mural artist that also puts them onto canvas or a um, canvas artist that puts them onto murals i mean kind of all three really i guess i'm firstly off a, i'm a writer obviously that's that's the first thing that, that starts with everything most people see the murals so there's that um but my for myself 
writing, illustrating, and then the, the mural stuff is like like a really nice workout. Do you know what I mean? A really nice um, the antidote to being alone in this room all day. Should, yeah. we, put it, should we put it that nice. way? You go out, people are you know come and have a chat with you or whatever. It forces me to um, to meet new people as well. You know the people who tend to commission murals in uh, anywhere, but in provincial towns or where, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know you get to go to Manchester or Carlisle or you know I'm hopefully going to Norfolk and Suffolk uh, at some point this summer. Uh, and all of those relationships with with the people there who who make these things happen, they love it. And that yeah. that that kind of activity uh, means that the murals, you know, makes it makes that uh, more than worthwhile. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I said a few years ago that um, I just really didn't think there was enough text-based art mm. around. Um, I think there's I a there's a love it. The thing that people fall into with a lot of people just write a single word in a really really amazing font, like they've got got. Uh, um, oh, Benign's scary under the bridge. Well, exactly, right? yeah, and that has the, the desired effect, doesn't yeah. it? When you first yeah. walk through, you're like, "Where am I?" <laughs> yeah, it's fucking scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a great sort of uh, typeface designer, as uh, as Ben obviously has a has a talent for, um, then that's uh, that's great, uh, and I think that's a good way to go. But I I would say that that is more in line with with the idea of putting letters up big on a wall, whereas what I'm doing is kind of uh, I don't see myself really as, and I don't mean it. I'm not trying to separate myself from that in any sort of in, in any other way than just to say that my feeling is that I don't. Feel feel like I'm part of that do you know what I mean I feel like uh, feel like I'm like a children's illustrator who's, who sometimes goes and paints big walls yeah. do you know what I mean absolutely nothing <laughs> wrong with that <laughs> well do you know Robert Montgomery I do right so Robert Montgomery is a poet yeah he's a yeah he's a writer yeah. for sure I mean obviously now he's installationized. yeah whatever you know you call it but he still he still describes himself as poet first yeah artist second I guess I mean I would he writes some oh no, I write serious stuff too I see him more as a poet than I do as anything else yeah but then but then other people would see him as a I see myself as I said you know I see myself almost split 50 50 between the writing and the um uh, and the visual stuff and then the kind of mural stuff is a an added bonus I'd say well it was his work Robert Montgomery yeah. when I said to you just now that um, I feel there should be more print-based... Um, sorry. Text-based art. I feel there should be more text-based art. I saw one of his artworks at the bottom of Bethnal Green Road on the side of the pub. There was a big big advertisement, billboard, and it was one of his artworks. And I was underneath it and like sort of looked up and didn't realise it was his. And I looked up at it and I was like, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some of his stuff is incredible. Is yeah. that one? Um, dead people. Are, I live, think it may have even been that. Live inside of us as ghosts or something yeah. like that. that, or one, that it was one. either that one or the one about the trees. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember the one so you talked about. I, as well. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of those. And I, I sat across it and I was like, Why aren't more artists doing <laughs> doing this or poets doing? You You've know, got to do it. I mean, you, I think you have to do it so so well. Mine stuff is a, is the colours maybe make it. I mean, I can be forgiven slightly more for... for but you're... Uh, sorry to butt in. Yeah, go on. I, I know where you was going with that, but you're using a limerick, which, although I said from the start of this, I absolutely love a limerick, I presume <laughs> that it is the basic form of a poem. Would that be correct? I mean, obviously, uh, a limerick is a... It has a particular kind of metre. Uh, it has a particular line length. The first, Something the second like and the fifth line rhyme. There, there you the go. third and the fourth line rhyme. But no, there. I mean, there are... 
there are so many different ways that you can that poems are structured. So to say that it's it is a it is the basic form of a poem, I would say, is yeah, probably technically wrong, but because it's got that beautiful flow, hasn't it? Yeah, anapestic, I think they call it. That bounce, I think, is what what gives it its charm. But something like um, a sonnet, for example, has a completely different. It, it doesn't bounce in threes; it bounces in twos. Yeah. Um, for example, so there are so many different ver- versions of it. It just happens to be one that, um, rather than a sonnet, which comes from like 16th century Italy or a haiku that comes from sort of I don't know Japanese dynasty mm. sort of uh, level um, culture that's been handed down from some kind of you know uh, uh, cultural kind of body or uh, group of people that live on high. Um, the limerick is something that's come from. Uh, from the people it's folk basically it's a it's a has it come from limerick uh, <laughs> well this is something that's obviously uh this is a something that's been claimed by so many people over the years especially uh, from limerick <laughs> uh, i mean it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a contentious issue and i i haven't been to limerick yet and i'd love to go and paint a limerick in limerick for obvious reasons yeah so i'm not about to say that i think it's a load of rubbish but there are lots of people who would who would point out that limericks existed for a long, long time, you know, far, far away from there. Um, so we'd say, no, probably it's not the case. But it's not in my interest to, to start banging that drum, so I'm, <laughs> no, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a, an obscure word that has... Is it a meaning? Um, so there's a... I mean, it, just, to, just to say that that name of the poem is named after the town is fair, for sure. Mm. But it doesn't mean it, it's come from there. Yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? I it's, so. There's a, there's... There's lots. So I have a. I did a radio show for um, uh, Soho Radio a couple of years ago, and one of the main things that I tried to to talk about in the show was this question. Right, it was kind of a thread for the whole show. Was what why are they called limericks, sort of thing. Um, and there are so many different people who have um, who have uh, ideas about this. But one of the main ones, which seems to have been uh, a good a good um, a good possible reason as to why is that there is a way that it's sung um, somewhere over in the States and between every time in the round people sing these limericks, they have this chorus that everybody in the in the pub or whatever around the campfire would all sing together to try to keep the yeah, yeah. the tempo of this, this uh, kind of group process going. Uh, and that would be talking about come up, come down to Limerick Town. So that oh, is, a, is yeah. how the word possibly has latched yeah. onto the... To the um to the to the type oh, of poem. Like <laughs> Me too. But the uh, I didn't get to answer the question properly. There's no real answer. As with everything that's folk, it's one of those things that you just have it's to just grow. You have to accept somewhere. that you don't know. Loch Ness monster who made it up or yeah. no one because it's bloody real. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Is it? It's come, from, <laughs> come from the ground up. As exactly. Exactly. Um, which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? Um. Well, I do a lot of stuff about climate change and I get very, uh, very uh, into that. You know, it's obviously the big question of our time, let's be honest. Um, so the, the just the the pale blue dot rainbow piece uh, on the marshes here and there's been lots of other places as well. That uh, is something that I feel really connected to. But in terms of work that I've made, I mean, I just I, I absolutely love science. So anything science based I like. But I've written some quite some some kind of sad ones, or I've written stuff about dreaming that I feel particularly connected to. I feel like what I'm trying to do with the whole collection of of, of limericks, on in some ways, is to is to cover every single facet of my personality. Yeah. 
Uh, and then hopefully one day will that there'll be a book and you can read through the book and you get this massive kind of you get this picture of who I am do you know what I mean nice. and there's there's nothing that's been left out from you know the kind of uh, self doubt to over exuberance to you know maybe partying a bit too much or um being a bit of a nerd you know sort of self proclaimed yeah. uh self proclaimed nerd or something and really techie and really into music and really uh you know trying to be honest about how I feel about certain things yeah. Um, so that's the general. I feel like a bigger connection to the whole, to the whole thing, to the whole idea, uh, maybe than to any individual piece. Brilliant answer. You mentioned there about um, the rainbow pieces. You said it's at the marshes, but you said it was somewhere else as well. So I've painted it uh, on two or three electrical boxes just around the country. There are these, uh, there are these great kind of look projects where people can apply now. Yeah, I think through BT yeah. to paint electrical boxes. I didn't know that. Um, they have an afford, or maybe it's, um, yeah, it is BT, uh, and you can apply for permission. So lots of people in smaller towns have started to do that, and you'll get an invite, you know, to say, oh, we've got, you know. How cool is that? I wasn't aware of that. It's amazing, right? Um, they only started to formalise it recently because people were having a nightmare going through the, yeah. going through the, uh, going for the process because obviously BT notoriously will have an awful uh, customer service or kind of uh, front facing. Well, people were graffitiing them anyway, weren't they? Exactly. So yeah, why yeah. not take ownership of the graffiti? Yeah, I mean, just just uh, also somebody maybe who works in a studio close by who could you know who would really love to just go and t spend two or three days painting the side yeah, of one of these boxes nice. with one of their intricate designs. Um, so yeah, I've done a couple on there. I did it massive in. Spanish in Mexico nice. uh, last year, um, which was which was amazing with my friend uh, Toby Rossell for another artist, who's uh, who's lives in Camden now, but he, I think he's part time Camden, Mexico. Um, that great combination, <laughs> Camden and Mexico, <laughs> <laughs> Camden and Mexico City, um, and uh, I've painted it. I think uh, I mean it was a, it was a t shirt for. Uh, it was a T-shirt for the big issue a while ago. Brilliant. Uh, it's been in loads of places. Well, I love that that it's not site specific. Yeah, yeah. It's able to be transient, if you like. Well, I, I, as a rule of thumb, I wouldn't paint uh, one of these one of these sort of full limericks in two places. I would th definitely not in the same city, probably not in the same country, but I would paint it in a different country. I think if it was if there was a reason to paint it. Yeah. But with that, because it's climate change, because it's it's so simple. Uh, because it's just a rainbow really like no one's blown away by the composition or anything it's just a bloody rainbow with a few words on but it does the job so well um, I feel like I could try to send an, I could try to make that statement in a different way and fail you know every single time or I could just paint that thing every time I get the chance and that's kind of like the climate change thing that that may be job that people who, who are making art have got to do a job of yeah. It, it, so everyone has to do something about climate change yeah. otherwise what are they doing do you know what I mean um, so I feel like that uh, that's me doing that job basically nice good answer if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be <laughs> I feel like I need a little bit of time to answer that um, I mean who do I like I mean it's a very good question I'd have to beat people from history so I don't offend anyone from the modern day uh Obviously Basquiat. Um, I mean, why not Picasso? Why wouldn't you put Picasso in the show? Uh, Dali. I mean, it's going to be really obvious stuff now, isn't it? Uh, um, 
I mean, probably Warhol, if he was going to be there, but would you, why would you not have Andy Warhol in a room? He's the most popular answer. answer. Is he? Fair enough. Probably Frida Kahlo, I said, I guess. Most popular woman. Is it? Yeah. But then, I mean, it's me saying it's the most popular answer. It's just, they are the most influential people. So. Yeah. I, I obviously pay attention to every, you know, every documentary that comes on Amazon Prime yeah. and I'll read every book and I'll talk about every artist that comes up with mates and I'll, and I'll, you know, be on the internet all the time looking at stuff. But I'm not like, I, didn't, I don't have a degree in art. I don't know that much about it. So, um, and then most of my work isn't about art. Like I don't really, you know, I write about, you know, science or, uh, or whatever. You know, I'm not some artist who's obsessed with art on that level. Where so I if big, I would have big... said poets, would that have helped? I don't, don't really like poetry, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Bit pretentious, really, isn't it? <laughs> if there was you and five other limerick writers, <laughs> um, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Spike Milligan would be the. Oh, he's brilliant. Would be the top, wouldn't he? Top of the tree. And do you know what Spike Milligan had put on his headstone? Oh, was it something like "I told you I was ill" or something? Perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, brilliant. Oh, he's so funny. So funny. I put his book downstairs, I think. Yeah, the Limerick book, his, his Limerick book, yeah, yeah. And if you wasn't an artist, what do you think you'd like to do? Well, the next thing, obviously, would be music. I mean, I love, but that's still art, isn't it? And then I'd love to make films. I have made a couple of films, but um, it's just too, it takes too long. And Do you and stuff. edit and produce? I do, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm pretty, timeline editing with film and music is pretty much the same thing. So from cutting my teeth with, you know, just self-taught being a mu uh, musician and stuff, mu uh, editing film now is just, it's the same thing. Yeah. I think, you know, you're lucky enough, lucky enough um, sometimes to be exposed to, to be exposed to certain things like making music at the age of 14 or something and then coming to computers with nowadays with video editing on and not finding it difficult to get hold of that. I feel like it's all the same kind of thing. You learn to learn almost, you know what I mean? You, le you learn how to figure something out and once yeah. you've got the hang of that, then it's all... I mean, you know, 20 years time, I'll be looking at a remote control and shaking my head. <laughs> I'm sure of no it. No doubt. We won't have remote controls then. We'll just yeah. shout at the telly and it'll change the, change the channel, won't it? What sort of films would you like to make? Um, so I, I, I made, a, made a short film. Uh, I wrote a short film and produced it and uh, it was directed by a, a film director called Tom Rosser. Um, a single take, three minute, uh, rhyming monologue. Wow. By... Uh, with, by, by the, an actor called Sam Ricks, who's also a comedian as well. Um, and that was my only time I've ever really seen seen a real film film through. I've made animations before, like just here. Yeah. Again, rhyming monologue stuff. Again, uh, with Sam as the voice. But that was the only time I've ever made a proper film. Uh, and it was kind of dark, kind of funny. And I'd, I'd like to continue doing stuff like that. But it took so long to do. It was so stressful to try to get, you know, it, got, it did all right. Like, I put it on, you know, online and stuff. It got like 20,000 views in a week or something, which... Yeah is a lot of eyes uh, in one place. But there's no money in that. Do you know what I mean, it's not, and I spent quite a bit of money and a lot, a lot of time worrying about it and stuff. So it's just not really worth it in terms of use of my time. But that's what I'd like to do, really, if I wasn't doing what and I'm what doing. And what would it be, the same, the same type of thing? Well, for the, for, I, I would like to write more rhyming, rhyming monologues because I find I've just done so many of these, these limericks now that I, rhyming I find incredibly easy and I can switch tempo and switch 
switch uh, meter of, of lines really easily to make the whole thing kind yeah. of feel a certain way and take people on a journey. Uh, and I realised that's something that uh, that I have a, I'm particularly good at now. Like I've really kind of sharpened my pencil on that one. So I'd like to take that and do a series of those. But really, I'd like to write something like a uh, like a film, like a, like an actual an actual feature film. Nice. But if I'm honest with you, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. I think I'm just going to. Would the feature film rhyme? Probably annoyingly in places it would. Yeah, probably annoyingly in places. And because you're always thinking rhyme, do you think in rhyme? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. There was a point where, so when I when I was writing Limerick's first off, and I tried to write a hundred in a hundred days, that I, I would be rhyming in my dream, and I'd be conscious of that when I woke up. Um, so that was a point where it was getting a bit bad. Nowadays, it's just it's I'm you know I might write. Uh, Two, two or three a week or something yeah. and it's not quite as hectic but there was a point where it was getting a little bit so I spoke to comedians and they say that they can't have a decent conversation because they're always thinking, thinking of, jokes. of the gag yeah, that yeah. someone's about to say yeah. and it's like a like holding back a Tourette you know they're, they're not saying that punchline <laughs> ruin the conversation oh it's, it's interesting I find with um, music now when I was making music producing music all the time you'd listen to something and you'd be listening through the sound to the, the way it was put together or thinking oh that's some oh wow they've you know, they've kind of side-chained the kick drum off the bass or something, and you'd, yeah. be, you'd be listening to that, you'd be really impressed with it. Um, so I guess, in a way, all, all that craft stuff does kind of ruin the experience. This isn't going to come out for a while, but have you got anything coming up at the moment? Um, well, I'm going to Belfast in about three weeks' time nice. for that Hit the North Festival, which is going to be great. First time on the island as well, so that'll be good. Um, but Famous for its murals. Right, of course, yeah. I don't think... Uh, they're not getting me over to do a big, big uh, political <laughs> one. <laughs> I always wonder because obviously I've I knock on some doors and try to get permission to paint walls and stuff. You uh, you do wonder about like the person who lives in the gable end of that <laughs> street that faces across. Yeah. You know, they get a knock on the door. It's like <laughs> we'd like to paint your wall, please. <laughs> so Dan, how can anyone? find you be it website social media uh well everything i do uh ends up on instagram in some form um so instagram is that's just angry dan um no spaces or anything um my website is angrydan.com simply um and there are pages of on twitter and bits and bobs but i don't really do anything apart from retweet stuff on there and that is all my questions asked well thank you for your time mate no that was absolute pleasure it's just what I needed. I had a day yesterday recovering from a four-day weekend. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means, obviously, we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, Zadar.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.